How are you doing? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I lead marketing at The Juice. We have been on a stretch over here, hosted an AI event, launched a new product. Go check out Revenue Impact by The Juice, helping marketers unlock that ROI from your content marketing program. It's like content syndication, but you're not lighting money on fire, real revenue, real results. We're pumped up about that. Let's go back to the AI event. Had a ton of fun learning from Zach at Copy AI, Elizabeth at Market Muse, and Felicia at Aprimo about how to use AI without losing your brand voice. And I said to myself, more people need to check out this conversation. So that's why we're dropping it on the Modern Day Marketer feed today. Hopefully you enjoy this one. We're all trying to think about how AI impacts the work that we're doing. And I thought this conversation was awesome. I learned a ton. If you like what we're doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons, but most importantly, tell a marketer that you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. I wanna thank everyone for taking some time to join us today. I know schedules are busy, summertime, there are a lot of events going on. I know there's an event, big event uh, later today. So appreciate you uh, coming by. Today, we're going to be talking about how to use AI without losing your brand voice. I want to shout out a Primo, who is the premium sponsor for helping make this happen today. My name is Brett McGrath. I lead marketing at The Juice, and I'm really excited for this chat. So a little bit of context before this. If you're a marketer, obviously, in the fall of last year, there was a tidal wave that hit us, and it was generative AI. Everybody is trying to find their footing and figure it out. And I had kind of just sat on the sidelines, saw the conversations on social platforms, saw the debates, sky is falling, this is the best thing ever, and just kind of put my head down and, and continue to do my work. And you know, when I started to think about AI and its impact, the number one thing that came to my uh, top of my mind was just its impact on our brand, right? I'm a marketer at a startup and a top priority for me is developing, you know, audience, developing brand voice. So questions I had were how does generative AI impact that on a day-to-day basis? So it wasn't until I was reviewing the data on the juice and trying to identify what are topics that marketers on our platform care about the most right now. In April's data, three out of the top five highest performing pieces had to do with generative AI. And so that was kind of my kick in the butt that said, all right, let's stop sitting on the sidelines and like, let's take some action. So really, really excited about this conversation. This is going to help address one of my top questions. Hopefully it is something that you're going to be thinking about or that you are thinking about as well. So want to do intros here. If you have not been a part of a Juice event, the format is we bring each individual up uh, and we have a one-on-one conversation. The topics that we talk about are going to map back to the broader topic. And then at the end of the conversation, we will bring everyone up and do a little Q&A. So there's the first plug of many for Q&A. If you've got questions, something's top of mind, put it in the chat. If something that is said by one of the speakers gives you an idea or thought or you want further clarification, put it in the chat. We're dedicating time at the end to address all of that. So an engaged audience is always a good audience. So we are joined by Felicia Newhouse, PhD. She is the VP of Global Product Marketing at Aprimo. We have Elizabeth Irvine, who is the VP of Marketing at MarketMuse, and Zach Harris, who is the head of organic marketing at Copy AI. I am proud to say all three of these amazing brands and people are customers of the Juice, which is exciting. And all three of these brands are leading the conversation right now in the industry around AI and its impact. So fired up. We're going to bring our first guest on stage, but want to put a poll up. So Kat, maybe if you could help drop a poll and if you'd respond to that, the poll, that would be awesome. I'm just curious, where are you, where are you on your content marketing journey with AI? Uh, would love to just see kind of the, the maturity when it comes to AI in the crowd and in the audience. We'll look at that data kind of as we wrap up the event. 
before we bring Zach up from Copy AI, want to first or finally say like, go to social. Obviously, like I'm a marketer, we're all marketers. If something someone says inspires you, like put it out there on social. At the Juice HQ is our Twitter handle. I am at Indy McGrath. You can hit follow. You can find me on LinkedIn at Brett McGrath. Follow me. I'll do the whole follow back thing. But yeah, I think that's like all the housekeeping stuff. Now I think it's in t- it's time to jump into the important topics at hand. So Kat, if you would help me bring up Zach and let's get this party started. Hey. Zach, what's up, man? How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Currently keeping an eye on on my grass. Like I'm to that age where I care about my grass now and things that, you know, in my 20s, I thought I would never care about. So <laughs> it's it's amazing how when we grow grow up. It's stuff like yard work and those sorts of tasks that we were trying to push off when we were kids, but now are kind of some of the most important domestic things that we worry about on a day-to-day basis. It's funny how it all works out. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So we're going to be talking a little bit about just like busting some generative AI myths. If you are following any marketer on social media or if you're on LinkedIn, it undeniably, like you've seen the copy AI brand. I think you guys have done a, a killer job of just like branding yourselves in this conversation. The positioning, the content that you all are building are awesome, is awesome. So maybe just like to kick it off, I'm curious, like you joined copy AI during this craze, like this is the talk of the town. I'm curious, like how has your perspective shifted on the impact generative AI can have on content marketing since you've become a part of one of the industry leaders? Yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, I, I actually was a consultant for Copy AI before I joined full time. So I was, you know, kind of dabbling with generative AI like late December, like 2021. And I was really skeptical. I'm like, hey, it's another hype cycle. You know, you had all the crypto stuff that was like popular NFTs. And I hate to admit it, like I, I, I bought a few NFTs as well. Like as a marketer, I'm like, I can't believe I fell for the hype cycle. <laughs> but, you know, like I, personally, I, I didn't think that generative AI could produce anything that I would think was quality. You know, and I was coming from animals, you know, a content marketing agency where we really hung our hat on high quality content. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to use it. And if I do use it, it's probably not going to be great. So I used it a bit and I lost trust because my output was horrible. And then I learned, well, my output was bad because my input was junk. And thankfully, you know, I joined a great team here at Copy AI that really helped me learn how to leverage generative AI. Um, So you fast forward to today, I use generative AI every day. It's given me superpowers. And I I really mean that. (laughs) So my perspective has definitely shifted, right? We're a team of four, pretty small marketing team. We have 8 million users. There's no way we could keep up with the amount of users that we have supporting product marketing, supporting sales, running acquisition without having generative AI to assist us. So it's been a huge part of our job, just keeping up with the landscape. And I've leaned on it to spin up everything from lifecycle campaigns, landing pages, email, like other email copy for broadcasts, do content refreshes. So my perspective has definitely shifted. It went from this is hype, outputs jump to, I don't know if I can like, be a marketer without this thing now in some elements. So it's, it's been interesting. I, I just, I want to like dive into that a little more. Just, I, I find it fascinating that you identified that your input was junk. And so then your output was junk. And I think a lot of marketers aren't jumping in and using it regularly because it's just like a little bit of a cold start problem. They're, they're, they're concerned that they're not going to do it the right way. And they're concerned that they even though it seems pretty straightforward, they don't necessarily know how to leverage the tools in a way to enhance content instead of, uh, you know, it, instead of it it kind of taking over their whole content strategy, maybe like, what was that? I'm guessing members of uh, the team helped you out, but maybe talk a little bit about that shift in terms of output and like get down in the weeds and like shine a little bit of light on like what that meant to you. Yeah, so the, the team definitely helped me out. We have someone on the team, our, our prompt engineer, Anna, who was a huge help for me. You know, when I started, I didn't know, like, what is a prompt? Like, what's the difference between, like, an input and a prompt? I had no idea at all, and I was a little bit intimidated. So she was a huge help in actually teaching me how to work with 
AI. Uh, on the other end, I did research on my own to learn like how these models actually work because it feels like magic. You know, you're like, wow, I can just like kind of type anything in here and it'll return something. doesn't mean it's always going to be accurate, but it will return something. It may make it up, uh, but it felt like magic. So I took some time to educate myself on, you know, how do large language models actually work? Um, kind of what, what all happens behind the scenes. And I'm not very technical at all, but it did help me, you know, learn more about what I was actually interacting with. So those two things were really helpful. And then what I tell a lot of people is if you're just starting with generative AI, understand that it's a iterative process. Like, just like we all do, like as marketers, we iterate, right? Whether you're creating content or you're testing, you know, you are collecting data, you're iterating. It's the same thing with generative AI. That's my belief. You, you will continue to iterate with the AI. And as you do that, your output will get a lot better as well. I love it. I know I've had a lot of misconceptions and until I have conversations that with people who are in it, using it regularly, and I'll take like notes from each person and like put it down on a sheet and then go off and try to like, you know, run some of those reps and sets myself. But I'm curious on your end as someone who's kind of maturing as a generative AI user, what are some of the maybe common misconceptions with generative AI and how have you been able to kind of overcome them as a marketer? Yeah, you know, let, let, let's start with the biggest one. I, I think everyone has seen this. Um, generative AI will replace humans in the workforce and eliminate jobs. You know, when I started here, I'm like, am I working for a company that's going to leave me unemployed? <laughs> you know, so I think that was like another aspect where I was a little hesitant to do anything with the AI. I'm like, am I like actually building something that's going to have me out of a job? And my, my stance has, has definitely changed on this, you know, over time, like, sure, AI will automate a lot of tasks, but it'll free us from the tedious aspects of our roles, right, that lead to burnout. And it'll allow us to focus on the, you know, the uniquely human elements of, of our work. And I think by like striking the, the right balance, we can harness the best, the best of both worlds, right, and use AI as a means to create deeper connections and provide like more relevant content. We're doing that a lot here at Copy AI and just create like a, a flat out, like better customer journey. So I know that's a really big misconception of like, hey, AI is gonna leave content marketers out of jobs, editors. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And you see it all over LinkedIn, you see it all over Twitter, uh, but I, I definitely do not agree with that at all. I think it's gonna help us focus on, you know, the, the work we actually care about and not have to, you know, continuously keep up with the tedious aspects of our job. So you, you mentioned this and you said a word that's, I think, really important and powerful, and it's just balance. And I think we're all trying to strike that balance right now between a uh, sh shiny new object and the way we've always done things. So I think um, what I've learned is mo has been most helpful is when I understand like the power users of generative AI who are coming from content marketing, how they're applying just some of the, the good things that uh, generative AI can offer into their workflow. So maybe like, how, how do we, as Mark content people, how do we strike that right balance and make sure that we don't like go in one, one, one direction. And then all of a sudden, like we're creating content that just like, doesn't even sound like our brand or us as individuals anymore. Like what's the, what's the way we can strike that balance? Yeah, that's a great question. It's hard because once you like really, get into the weeds and you're using generative AI on a regular basis, it's pretty addicting. Like I, I have fun using generative AI. And even if it's not like work related, for example, we're creating new landing page copy. And uh, as a joke, I love Ted Lasso. So I'm like, hey, let me actually have the AI write this page copy in the voice and tone of Ted Lasso. So Ted Lasso would be selling copy AI. And it was amazing. <laughs> you know, so I just like stayed up for hours just going through the characters. So, you know, it's addicting on that end. And then also, once you get that feeling of like, I have superpowers, you want to lean on it a lot. But I, you know, I think like anything marketing related, it starts with setting clear goals and guidelines to ensure like, you're not compromising the brand you've built. You're not like leaning on your AI too much. One actual example that I can give you, the first round of any like editing, whether it's for blog content, emails, et cetera, has always been a time suck for me. I know it's really important, but like that very first round, I'm like, oh, okay, I have to like carve out time, go in, you know, check, 
do we have any grammatical errors? Is it matching the style guy? What about voice and tone? Things like that, especially if you're working with like a freelance team or something like that. Their first couple of pieces, you really need to be in the weeds. So I, I built out a workflow using Copy AI. It's an editorial workflow. So now I've automated some of, some of that work, at least that first step. It'll check for grammatical errors. It'll ensure that the copy actually matches the style guide and matches the voice and tone of the content. And we're at a point with most generative AI platforms, even if it's not copy AI, where you do have a level of control over a voice and tone style guide and things like that. But again, it is an iterative process. So the first time you try to set it up, the output may not match your voice and tone or completely follow your style guys. So you have to iterate with it like you would, you know, anyone else um, on, on your team. So, you know, I think understanding is here to help you. Don't lean on it too much and still monitor and evaluate everything that you are creating. Yeah. Remember like garbage in garbage out. Like you actually have to take the time like you would again with a new team member or, or anyone else, if you're training them up, you know, with a journey of AI. Uh, one more on that, just the time I feel like as content creators, we're very ambitious and we want to produce, 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 go, 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 move on to the next one. But I, I, in just listening, you talk about it. It's like, we got to take some time and kind of let our foot off the gas on the creation side and actually analyze what is happening understanding if the platform or what the output is sounds like us. So maybe I would love for you to share maybe like allocation of time. Like uh, how much time is that? Like how much time should we be spending? What's too much? What's, what's too little? I'm sure it varies by use case, but I'm curious just on your end, how much time you're allocating to just the analyzing what's happening on the AI front. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. It depends, but like, you know, on, on the content type. Typically, I'm not spending more than like 40 minutes. And that may even be a lot. You know, if, it, if it's long form, like a blog post or something like that, I'm, I'm going to spend more time there. If it's a lifecycle email, that may be 10 minutes. And again, that's just like upfront. So you're front loading all of that and iterating again with, with the AI to make sure it understands what you're trying to achieve. And just again, ensuring that it is matching voice and tone style guide and things like that. So you will invest some time up front, but the savings on the back end are incredible. Again, like we, we've been able to scale so much with, with, with a pretty small team and keep up with like all of this crazy demand that we're getting. But we did spend that time up front to build these you know, processes and, and workflows out. I love it. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you an SEO related question <laughs> since you're the head of organic at Copy AI. <laughs> Um, how, how should we be thinking about generative AI from like an SEO perspective? Like what, what are some of the advantages? Like talk a little bit, little bit, little bit about how it's impacting like your world on the SEO front. As I know you're someone who's trying to drive as much organic growth for the business as possible. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm really opinionated on, on SEO, right? Like I, I'm not an SEO that just likes to create content for the sake of, pointing and saying, hey, we got more organic traffic. I want to make sure it's relevant. The content we're creating is relevant, it's engaging. So how I've used generative AI, especially on the SEL side, content refreshes is a big one, right? Like I think most people should spend the time refreshing content versus creating net new. Uh, but it, it takes so much time. You have to identify, you know, the content to refresh. Then you have to go in, you have to strategize, like what actually are we going to refresh? Uh, you can use tools and things like that, but still it, it's, it's time. It takes a lot of time. Then you actually have to create the content, <laughs> you know? So I've used generative AI to help me with a lot of that. Like, Hey, scrape, you know, scrape these URLs that I have on my blog. I want you to go through like ingest all of the content and then highlight, you know, opportunities for a refresh and then explain to me why you highlighted these sections and then create net new content. So that's given me superpowers. And we've, we've had a lot of growth just from optimizing existing content, whether it's our tool pages, our blog posts, and all of that is really powered by generative AI. On the other end, programmatic SEO. That was a really big driver for us early on, you know, being able to create hundreds and even thousands of pages. And I mean, the copy, the images, the FAQs, the schema, all of it using generative AI. So one click, your entire landing page is ready to go and you can connect it to your CMS with this Webflow, WordPress, et cetera. We knew templates, you know, a little lower in the funnel, 
Like we don't have to have like super, super high quality content on a template page. Like most people just want to get into the app. Uh, so we were able to scale that out. I mean, we built hundreds of templates in two days uh, and then got them published. And yeah, they, they bring in a bunch of traffic and a bunch of conversions for us. So my, you know, my thought is you use generative AI to scale your SEO efforts. And again, save you time from like going through and doing all those tedious tasks, you know, whether it's for SEO or, or content marketing or anything like that. It, it's been a huge, huge, huge help for me. I love it. You said superpowers so many times. I think that's a good, that's enough. That's a selling point enough for me. I love that. Uh, use generative AI. You become a, a marketing superhero. That's right. I love it. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking a little, a little bit about uh, uh, your world and on the uh, generative AI front. We'll bring you back up uh, during Q&A, but I uh, appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Cat, uh, if we could bring up Felicia. Hey, Brad. Oh, going felicia how are you doing well i'm here in boston it looks like we've got people from all over the planet coming in so i'm excited to be here (laughs) and share a few uh insights that we've been learning it's been pretty crazy with all the ai movement yeah i'd love so i'm super excited we have a product marketer on this during this conversation so i would love and i know you've got some content to share but maybe just talk a little bit about just prioritizing generative AI as a uh, product marketer and uh, making sure that your audience understands what's happening, the trend and its impact and how you're thinking about it. Yeah, totally. Um, There's been so much happening with AI. It's just completely insane. Um, It's insanely disruptive. And, you know, when we, we talk to the technologists, the innovators, the engineers, you know, they all agree we're in such early days of what is really one of the biggest advancements in human history. Uh, so we're really witnessing something akin to the birth of the internet is what some people say. Other people say we're literally standing on the edge of something comparable to the development of human language or even the rise of human life on earth. So this is like, this is big. <laughs> so as far as being a product marketer and kind of being in that, not only in that changing, evolving world, but also, you know, at a Primo where we're a data asset management company and I'm a product marketer, there's a lot of education, really. It really comes down to just a ton of education. ChatGPT is just, you know, as you know, just one of many AI models to come out and it embodies more human knowledge than, you know, any human has ever known. And so my main focus right now is making sure we, you know, pause, take a deep breath, think about how do we educate ourselves? How do we educate our customers, meet them where they're at? And there's all this messiness of not only innovation and disruption, but also human emotion. You know, people are, are stressed. They're fearful of how this is going to change their lives, their jobs, their workplaces. So right now, you know, our two priorities are really prioritize learning and prioritize experimentation. Go slow, pilot things. Um, we just released a series of AI guidebooks on our website where we dive really deep into everything generative AI and really tease everything apart and look, you know, look into the inherent like opportunities and risks. It's a new playing field for all of us, you know? So I think the more we really work together, not only as businesses, but also as humans to figure this all out, the better. So I'm really fascinated by this, like, and I think the analogy that was maybe used in a pre-call is just like flying a plane and changing the engine at the same time. It's, this is so, so new. Building a plane while flying it. (laughs) Building a plane while flying, yes. So uh, Primo's building products that support this. You're the product marketer who's marketing these products. Just maybe talk a little bit about the responsibility that you feel like you have with something so new that's so important. Um, And especially just uh, from the perspective of like communicating these things to all of the customers that you all serve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as marketers and you know, brand voice is obviously powerful. I know that's the topic of this webinar. And, you know, it really connects with customers on a human level. So before any of this AI stuff, right, like that's a main piece of how we connect to our customers as humans. So it's interesting because when we think about brand voice in the context of now this increasingly AI generated world, right, it becomes really one of the more important things we're going to do as marketers. And I'll just switch slides here. So, you know, only 39% of companies report having a well-defined brand voice. So that's, that's not, that's not a lot, right? Like we're still early in really figuring out how to develop that. 
Um, and unfortunately, a lot of companies still tend to market to a generic person, not an actual human who thinks, feels, and interacts with the world. So as things become increasingly more automated with AI, the more people crave human authenticity and the harder we're going to need to work as businesses in parallel to really keep the humans our businesses are, our businesses are serving at the front and center. So I think brand voice is really the muscle that we're all going to have to strengthen in this new world. So as marketers, we often talk about business to business or you know, business to consumer, B2B, B2C, right? But I think in the new AI frontier, our responsibility towards our audience we serve is really going to need to shift to business to human. Like what really makes our business human? What makes our brand voice human? In the context of AI, we need to start asking ourselves how authentic are we sounding in this particular piece of content? You know, how human is it? How do customers feel when they interact with it? Do they feel a genuine connection? Do they trust us as a brand? And when they interact with our product or service, are we really providing a, enough consistency in their experience that builds a trusting relationship? So ultimately, I think brand voice is a fundamental human element that impacts whether our customers will like or dislike us or, you know, if they're ultimately going to trust us and buy from us. And, you know, once that trust is broken for a brand, it's difficult to rebuild. So we really have to start thinking about this in the context of AI. And this mindset really extends beyond just brand voice, but also in our roadmap planning, our corporate cultures, our business ethics. I mean, when you really zoom out, right, technology is after all a means to an end. It's a means to make human lives better, right? And I think there's a huge responsibility that comes with not only just marketers or product marketers, right, but with all of us as humans. Man, like I'm in my head, I was digging into just your your thoughts around uh, analyzing content, um, trying to think about the authenticity, the connection and all of like those pie in the sky. Uh, I'm a marketer, next level ways to use generative AI, like all of that stuff seems very ambitious, but also the way we should be thinking about this. I'm curious, like it probably takes steps, takes levels to get to that point. Have you thought about just like in what you're working on the adoption and like, what is kind of like the crawl, walk, run approach to AI from your perspective with a new marketer coming in and trying to uh, use it for the first time? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll say first, we need to start with crawling, right? <laughs> it's like a baby doesn't start running. I, I just had a baby a few months ago, and he's not even crawling yet. So I think he's probably more where we are all at in AI right now. We're not even crawling yet. We're still trying to like, look around and figure out our world. So, you know, when we look at kind of this explosion of AI tools, 73% of marketers are using them, right? So there's there's a huge explosion in actual use. And it's happening at lightning speed. So that's creating a lot of, you know, just confusion and chaos and everyone's trying to figure this out. And in fact, if anybody on the call wants to type in a website here, it's called, let me just make sure I have the name right, futurepedia.io. You can just pull that up on your own time. But if you go there, you'll see it's a great site to explore all the current AI powered tools hitting the market in real time. So we've been kind of tracking this website and since February alone, there have been at least 3,000 tools that are added there. And just today alone, I think last time I looked at it, it was like 26 tools. So that gives us an idea of the amount of not only innovation, but like the PE and VC money and resources pouring into all of this. This isn't a fad. This is going to change our businesses permanently. So so with Crawl, Walk, Run, you know, and the approach to generative AI, we need to keep in mind that, you know, at the core is healthy, scalable, well-curated content that is contextualized and centralized and it'll be important for us to go slow. And, you know, we really need to think about, you know, all the benefits of AI, how it will unlock, you know, large scale omnichannel personalization. It's going to democratize the content creation process. You know, it's going to accelerate innovation and the time to launch new experiences is going to unlock you know, how we scale success by adapting successful experiences to new market segments, new products, geographies, and it's going to upend marketing budgets by shifting spend bottlenecks away from you know, the creative teams and the agencies. Um, but there's, there's also huge risks. This is where you know, it really goes into content chaos and you know, there's risks around compliance, copyright issues, ethical concerns. 
And it's going to be critical um, if we don't already have a system of record already in place to really think about what that means for our company and our content. So when we think about things like discoverability, we already see a lot of digital first organizations struggling to organize and leverage these huge amounts of content they already create today. So imagine what those challenges will look like with one or two more orders of magnitude of content, right? When everyone overnight is calling themselves a professional content creator. So yeah, so it, it gets into a lot of uh, interesting issues there. There, So I feel like my brain is about to break as the more I learn and talk about generative AI, just the future and everything that's going on. But like for me, like the most, the easiest way for me to learn, I think is just like thinking about and learning from other people and what they're doing and studying use cases. And I know you're a product marketer and you probably live in a world of use cases, especially on the generative AI front. But I'm curious, like maybe uh, calling out some of the most impactful use cases that you've seen or that you're working on with generative AI um, and content marketing. When I was, you know, maybe two months after I had my baby recently, I was trying to find a baby formula and I was looking for this baby formula and I typed into chat GPT, the name of the baby formula, by the way, for any new parents out there, um, it's called Bobby. It's organic. It's really good for your baby. And I typed in just, you know, give me a quick, a quick description of how this is different than other baby formulas. And it said, oh, we don't have any information on it. My records only go up to 2021. Right. So when when I did that, I realized, OK, well, things on chat GPT, they end at 2021. So that that model is still untrained, right? So then I went back into the prompt and I said, okay, same question. I copy and pasted it. And then I said, you know, but can you show me in your brand voice how this is different from other baby formulas? And I'm also going to copy and paste an entire like PDF from their website with all of the product data on it. Um, so the thing that happened was this, this website was launched in 2021. So it wasn't showing up in the chat GPT, so I had to train it. So, so long story short, and let me see if I can, if, if you guys could bring the slides back up, I can show one more thing on there. But basically what that's, that's telling me is that the, you know, it's important to train our data and untrained models can be really dangerous for us. So it's important to make sure that we are training our data on top of, you know, curated content that is our content, our brand, our voice, and doing that on top of a dam, really, that is able to orchestrate and centralize that content. So this is something that Aprimo is currently working on. It hasn't formally launched. We just let our press release out this week. And what we've really discovered as, you know, a single point of truth as a dam is that, you know, we're already doing things like brand compliance and agility. And we've that's always been a cornerstone of our dam is making sure that we do have you know, content curation already happening. So if you layer something like ChatGPT and a trained model with the right prompts on top of data that's already in a dam, it's already curated, and it's already your own brand, your own voice, then you can all of a sudden have the exact same capabilities of ChatGPT, but in your own platform on top of all your own branded marketed content. So this is really exciting because it essentially gives marketers a chance to you know, ask questions like, you know, in the heat of a deal, I can give my salespeople um, technical information about a product, or I can per personify, you know, this chat GPT coach, we call it the AI content coach is the name of it. And I can say, hey, um, personify in my brand voice, you know, this newly launched product and join our brainstorming session. So there's so much that we can do with this. It's just we're, we're only hitting the tip of the iceberg. So um, super exciting. Definitely encourage people to, you know, look at what we're doing there. Not because I work for this company, even I really believe in this product. It's so incredible. And the key to all of this is we'll be pushing AI boundaries and moving content management innovation, all while, all while prioritizing um, user and customer safe safety through, you know, these really robust safeguards. So it's really exciting. And yeah, I look forward to seeing where this all goes. I, uh, I The one thing I've learned from all of this is, if you're trying to level up and get educated, read and follow the content from companies that are building really cool stuff in the AI front. And I have been following what Aprimo is doing and appreciate you sharing a little peek behind the curtain. Very cool. Felicia, appreciate you dropping Thanks. some knowledge. Um, we'll bring you back up here for some questions at the end. Sounds great. Thanks. Elizabeth, 
Elizabeth, welcome. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Happy to be here. Uh, what have you thought from uh, the two uh, conversations so far? Oh, I love it. So aligned. It's we talk about this every day. So it's just it's it's fun to hear internally. And I talk with other marketers about it. So it's just fun to talk about it in this capacity as well. So let's start with Market Muse and, and content. Um, when I referenced the content that's killing it on the juice in three of the, out of the five uh, top performing pieces from April, uh, two of those were Market Muse related. So uh, you are creating content that marketers are after right now. And I guess how much interest are you seeing in your brand right now just because of AI and maybe how are you using it to how you are you using content to help educate on it? We have used content to help educate our audience from the beginning. When I when I joined Market Muse five years ago, our content strategist joined at the same time, and we quickly learned there wasn't much content being created, and we needed to lead by example as a content strategy platform. We needed to show show how we were doing it, show how we were using our own platform to create this material, and so we. We wanted to be an authoritative source for those looking to figure out how to do content strategy faster, more efficiently, whether or not someone chose to use our product, we wanted to be a resource for them. And now with with generative AI, little known fact, MarketMuse actually had built their own large language model in 2020, trained our own data, introduced a generative content product. But it was 2020, the market wasn't ready. There was a lot going on that year, busy year. Uh, we needed more resources to do it really well. So we ended up pulling that away and really focusing on the strategy piece. But from a day-to-day perspective, we really take a lot of learnings from our sales and customer calls, especially right now. A lot of questions being asked that feed into that content, the problems they quote. We pair that with our own subject matter expertise. What our platform tells us is an advantage for us in the SERP. And then we triangulate those different signals to differentiate our content and then apply that to gaps throughout the funnel. So it's really, it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot going on and I've been loving uh, what you all are putting out. And I think one of the most recent pieces that we put in the newsletter and I really enjoyed, um, and it was like, I truly felt like I am learning something brand new and this is really important to my job was the state of generative AI report that you all put out. Maybe talk a little bit about like the why behind that report. Talk a little bit about just like the process for building it and maybe just some like interesting findings from it. Yeah, it's been a fun project with iPollRank that we started in March and we worried. We were like, how how out of date is this going to be once we put it out? So we actually decided to do it quarterly and track the change, track how things are progressing. Uh, we're starting our next round next week. but And there's a lot of reports about generative AI, and they all are kind of pulling at different things. We really wanted to hone in on quality and how, how organizations were thinking about it from a broader perspective and not just process-wise. I love it. And what, who's, is your content strategist on your team? Like, talk about just like, how you all are bringing that to life on a regular basis. Like uh, I, I'm curious, we're all, I think we're all like one of the punchlines of this is we should all probably have some perspective on generative AI and we should all probably be creating content on generative AI just because that's what marketers want right now. So talk a little bit more about just like how you all are bringing that to life. Like what, what's your process to make sure it's consistent on a quarterly basis? Well, this, and this was a report, it was a survey that we did. And so we were looking to we were looking to see how people were thinking about quality. That's something that we cared about, something that Ipol Rank cared about. But it's also feeding into our overall ethos and how our perspective of AI. And you're seeing we're seeing more companies publish this on their sites and mm. what their the responsibility of using generative AI. And the others talked about this too. There was conversations about garbage in, garbage out, because you're still the one publishing that. And the editing process, the fact-checking, they saw some chats um, in there about how to, how to make it more truthful, <laughs> which is hard. And so that was actually something that stuck out in the survey. That was, a, that was an interesting finding that 73% of respondents trusted the content generated, which it'll be interesting to see how that evolves as more people experience factual information that they need to tweak 
Um, and I think that makes it more evident that editors and subject matter experts are going to be so key in order to really keep that authenticity, that unique perspective, adding real world examples, that firsthand experience. That's how you're going to be able to keep differentiating your mm -hmm. content instead of risking creating the same content as everybody else. So balancing the efficiency of generative AI with authenticity. But we also found that I think it was 50% of people are using this at the individual level. There were 33% at the team level and 13 at the organizational level. So it's very scattered in terms of acceptance across an org. There's probably organizations that have team members using generative AI and they don't realize it, which isn't, isn't bad, but eventually there will be more of a consensus from a company perspective. And we're small, so we can do that easily. Not too many people are writing, but it's something to think about in terms of a company's perspective of using this. I love it. And so as a marketing leader responsible for content, I'm curious, just I'm sure you all are using generative AI in your content. Like what are the conversations or what, it, what does it look like to make sure that like you're using the new tool, but you're also staying within the brand guidelines of Market Muse and you're continuing to show up the same way for your customers as you always have. Talk a little bit about that dynamic. Yeah, we, we actually use, we use a tool called Writer and their value prop is around brand voice. And you can set parameters for tone, for if you use contractions, if you, you know, how you want certain, certain words to be put together and just consistencies throughout the output. And it actually helps with everything. It's a Chrome plugin, so anything that I write, it gets checked. So in terms of in terms of voice, that's a really easy thing to implement. I think it's the authenticity of the perspective and the trust that you want to build with your customer. That's that's really where the subject matter experts and we're we're blessed because our content strategist is creating content for content strategists. Not everybody is that is that lucky, but I think tapping into experts in your organization to leverage them and use their guidance to, to enhance that content is, is really important. And one example of one really practical, but unique example was from Sixth Sense. Uh, they acquired a company and they needed to incorporate a 100 ish blog blog posts into their site. They wanted to have it a part of their blog. And if anybody has done a content migration, it's not a fun process. It's very manual, very painful. And they used Writer to rewrite all of those posts in Sixth Sense voice. Took about a minute per post with some small editing and it just saved them a ton of time and stress. So there's just, so, there were some great references of applications earlier too, but there's a lot of ways that you can incorporate, incorporate that layer, that filter for voice without, without it being too painful. I love it. Is you mentioned Sixth Sense? Is there when we're marketers and we all are consuming each other's content on a regular basis? It's a big reason why the juice exists. Is there any other use cases or brands or people that you've noticed using generative AI in a way that resonates with you and that you thought, hey, maybe we apply this sort of strategy or content type to what we're doing at Market Muse? Yeah, that was a really unique one. I've heard a lot of use cases with sales emails sales outbound emails, mm. personalizing, figuring out a way to personalize those outreaches at scale. I think a really common use case, one that I use regularly is summarizing. I do this a lot to get a starting, a starting point for social or for email, especially for social. For me, I, I can write a great initial one. And then when I come up to like the third, fourth or fifth, it's the juice is gone. <laughs> and so I'll put it in, I'll put it in and see what, see what AI might might recommend and tweak it a bit. I probably won't use it verbatim, but it just gives me another idea. And instead of me like spending time coming up with something that's probably similar to what I had before, it just saves me a little bit of frustration that that writer's block and fatigue. Um, and you can do that for, for blog posts. Uh, we use AI for transcripts to create snippets from the videos like webinars. We'll create the transcripts from the webinar snippets. Uh, we use AI to summarize calls, identify to dos. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of cases we've been using AI for a while and probably didn't really think about it. From we just 
probably mostly saw it from an automation perspective. Like this is taking me a long time to do. There has to be an easier way. Let me find a tool that'll help me do it. And so whether it's AI or automation or whatever the application is, it's worth incorporating. Move to Q&A? Yeah, let's do it. God, I, I love it. So uh, Kat, I know we've got a couple slides. Maybe we pop those up and then we'll bring everyone uh, back on. I, I see we have a series of questions we can uh, get to. Thanks, Elizabeth. Absolutely. So a couple plugs, right? We're, we're a marketing company. Got to plug some stuff. Just want to give a shout out to Smarter Distribution. Smarter Distribution from the Jews helps uh, you get your content to the right uh, people at the right time. We are doing some really good, fun things on the distribution front. So if you're interested, you want to learn more about content distribution, definitely hit me up or go to our website and talk to some of our folks. We'd love to chat. And then also want to plug, we have a we have a launch coming on Thursday of next week, and that's revenue impact. So our customers are seeing 482% ROI in the form of source revenue. So really excited about this dashboard view and this uh, tool that we're using to track what's happening with your content on the platform and how that's actually impacting your sales pipeline. So uh, be on the lookout, more information to come. But without further ado, let's get into some questions because I see the chat is rolling. Give it everyone jump back on stage. Awesome. Shout out Zach here for addressing a bunch of these. Here we go. Okie dokie. Feeding AI your brand profile to stay on brand. You know, maybe just with the group, how you're doing that currently or how you're thinking about it. Yeah, I, I think I caught some of that. You're, you're, still, you're still a bit choppy. So I'll, I'll dive in. I, I think I have a pretty good idea. Of <laughs> yeah. So, you know, kind of as I mentioned here, it, this will vary based on the journey of AI platform you use. Um, so Elizabeth mentioned, you know, Writer. I know like Writer has a certain way that they handle it. Jasper has a way that they handle it. Most journey of AI platforms today do. Like it, it's a really common pain point, right? For a lot of companies and content marketers um, at Copy AI, how we do it, we, we just ingest um, your brand guidelines, your style guide, really any information that you use internally. So think of, you know, if you onboarded a new content marketer, what are they going to have access to, to ensure that they're following your brand guidelines and, you know, adhering to your style guide? We ask you to upload all of that. And then our AI, as you go and generate, you know, new output, create landing pages and things like that, it'll ensure that it's matching that brand guideline and your style guide as well. But yeah, it, it'll vary by by platform. I did drop a link there. You can learn a little bit more about how we do things at uh, Copy AI without trying to shamelessly plug uh, our company, of course. <laughs> so here's one from Nicole. Chat GPT, I get it's not a Copy AI as a tool, has, has made stuff up for me. And she gives an example. How do we reduce it just making stuff up? Do any of you have any experience with that? I'll sound like a broken record, you know, kind of talk about like garbage in, garbage out, things like that. The quality of the prompt, of course, you know, will help, but also providing a lot of context can reduce the chances of like that, the AI hallucinating and, and making things up. And again, every platform is different with how they actually utilize these models. At Copy AI, we have a review step. So anytime you generate anything, there is a review step. So in this example, if you gave us a transcript, there's a review step in place that ensures it's pulling from the actual transcript. Or if you were to go and you know ask it to scrape a website, we could do that. And it again is ensuring that it's pulling from the website versus just making some things up. So some platforms already have like a layer of prompt engineering underneath it. But what I typically recommend is just make sure you're providing a ton of context. Like even if you're using ChatGPT, give ChatGPT a ton of context, whatever, like whatever you have, if you're not using chat GPT plus, like you, you can't, you know, use the, the web crawling feature, um, just copy and paste that context in there. And again, keep iterating, keep iterating with it. I think kind of going back to the misconception piece, when you're new to using journey of AI, you think it'll just nail whatever you give it on the, the, the first swing. Um, that's often not the case. So it, it is a learning experience for sure. Um, so clear prompts, tons of context and keep iterating. I think the thing I'd add too is don't skip the editing process. Always have a human in the loop and and really read through it and make sure it represents your brand the way that you expect it to. Awesome. Maybe we close it out with this one. I, I'm curious of this. 
and I haven't thought about it to be honest with you, but this one from Carrie, are there any pieces of information security wise not to share with AI? I know private information, obviously, but anything else. So the, maybe not as glamorous, but the security side of generative AI, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can chime in real quick on that one. I mean, it, it's going to come back to, you know, it, it, thinking about compliance and copyright risk, ethical concerns, right? I mean, there's there's all different types of, you know, uh private information that goes under under that anything that could put our brand at risk and it really comes back to having a platform to centralize that to make sure you are curating it properly um, because a lot of these models are not concerned at all whatsoever about you know private information or even if it you know like the hallucinations we talked about earlier there's a lot of risk there if they're not you know trained properly and you know housed in your own platforms yeah, and it's we'll see what the next round of the survey that we do does. But because the majority of people were using generative AI at the individual level, we'll likely see that from a company perspective, that's going to increase because, like I said, companies may not may not realize that people are using this, and if they are feeding that in, that's likely going to be something that's discussed from a from that brand perspective, from a leadership perspective, and we're seeing more and more companies putting guidelines in place. And, and uh, so it's probably something to ask, ask internally, ask what's okay. Ask those questions. Yeah. a hundred percent agree there. And, you know, as you're evaluating like platforms, or even if you want to use chat GPT, another thing to dive into, and I, I was kind of clueless about this, but like data retention policies, and are they actually using your you know, your input to train the models, all of that is really important. I know that there are generative AI platforms out there that, that don't do that. Elizabeth, you mentioned you all are using Writer. I know Writer's one that's not training models using, you know, your inputs, Copy AI is another. Um, so just really spending the time, even if you like have to hit up their chat or whatever the case may be to like really understand what are they doing with your data? And of course, checking internally, you know, with your team to see, hey, what what is what is safe to share? What, what do you want me to, you know, kind of proceed with caution on? will be really helpful. Awesome. I think that's a wrap. Just want to take a moment to thank everybody out there for taking a chunk out of your day to learn a little bit about generative AI with us. I know I learned a thing or two. I want to thank definitely all of our speakers. If you want to learn more from us at The Juice, there is a link there. But again, I know it's busy. It's the summer and you sat here and uh, watched a bunch of marketers talk about uh, the new shiny object in generative AI. Hopefully you've found some value and we'll be continuing to do events here at The Juice. So be on the lookout. Thanks so much for joining us. I love hosting these events. I love repurposing them on the feed. Hopefully you got a lot of value out of this one. I know I did. Ton to think about and a ton to consider, but at the end of the day, anything we can do to protect and maintain that brand voice that we're building is a good thing. Take care of yourself, take care of others around you, more modern day market on the other side. <laughs>